Las Vegas is a city all about gambling and taking risks. But it's not just the tourists who come here to gamble. Literally tens of billions of dollars have been shelled out over the last 30 years on the construction of mega resorts, massive hotels, and giant attractions, all intended to keep the Vegas economy moving forward, and of course to make a tidy profit for the investors behind the scenes. But in Las Vegas, as in life, not every gamble pays off. Have you ever noticed the pair of giant columns across the street from Mandalay Bay and wondered what they were for? What hotel was almost entirely built and then had to be demolished, taken down floor by floor before it ever even opened? What's up with the giant abandoned blue skyscraper at the north end of the Strip? And what stalled Vegas condo project is hiding in plain sight? That's what this episode of Sin City Stories is all about. I want to take you on a deep dive into some Las Vegas history and share some of the Strip's biggest gambles and most epic fails. Since its founding on May 15, 1905, Las Vegas has gone from being a small railway stop on the Union Pacific Line in the middle of the Mojave Desert to the entertainment capital of the world and one of the most exciting cities on the planet, welcoming millions of visitors every year. And through its relatively short history, the city has seen some pretty interesting things. And that's what I'm here to share with you. Welcome to Sin City Stories, the fascinating, bizarre, and sometimes tragic history of fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. The Las Vegas Strip a four-mile stretch of Las Vegas Boulevard and home to some of the best-known hotels, resorts, and casinos in the world. But it's also a place where not everything is as it seems. The next time you're in Vegas and you're standing up front of Treasure Island, I want you to take a look across the street at the Venetian and the Palazzo. Specifically, look up above the Walgreens and the Grand Canal shops you're gonna notice something a little off with that part of the building. Namely, that it's not actually part of the building. And it appears to be made out of cloth. There's a very good reason for this oddity. It's hiding one of Vegas's biggest failures. In November 2006, Las Vegas Sands, the owners of the Venetian and the Palazzo, sought approval from the Clark County Commission to begin work on a 632-foot-tall condominium tower. Construction on the project began in early 2007 on what was expected to be the Strip's most expensive residential offering. And in September of 2008, a partnership was announced with Starwood Hotels and Resorts Worldwide to open what would be called the St. Regis Residences at the Venetian Palazzo Las Vegas. The plan was for the tower to include 398 condominium units to be built at a cost of roughly $600 million. Under the deal, Starwood would manage the tower when it opened, which was scheduled for March 2010. That plan, however, was not to come to fruition. In 2007, the U.S. economy had begun a major downturn into what would come to be known as the Great Recession, which would last through to 2009. At the time the deal with Starwood was struck, there was already some questions within the Vegas community surrounding the viability of the St. Regis project. 
High-rise condo sales on the Strip had dropped significantly over the past year, with MGM City Center being just over 50% sold, and Trump International putting plans on hold for a second tower, with just 250 of their 1,200 units in the first tower being spoken for. Las Vegas Sands chairman Sheldon Adelson downplayed the concerns, saying he didn't think the company would have any problem selling the condos with their exclusive access to the Venetian and Palazzo and high-end amenities including suites furnished by world-renowned designers and round-the-clock butler service. He couldn't have been more wrong. On the morning of November 6, 2008, just two months after the partnership with Starwood was announced, Las Vegas Sands warned their investors of potential bankruptcy. A decrease in earnings along with an increase in debt meant the company was at risk of defaulting on several banking agreements. As such, lenders could come after them and demand repayment. Their only option to avoid going under? Cut costs and shelve projects. One of the victims of that plan? the St. Regis residences at the Venetian Palazzo, Las Vegas. Executives of the company announced that they were indefinitely delaying construction on the luxury high-rise condo project. At the time, it was believed an additional 18 months of work would be needed to finish it. Two and a half years after construction was suspended, Las Vegas Sands still hadn't made up their minds about what to do with the incomplete building. What they did know was that the steel skeleton was an ugly reminder of an unfinished project and they needed to do something to cover it up. In June of 2011, they shelled out $1 million for a giant cloth wrap printed to look like the rest of the exterior of the Venetian and the Palazzo. According to a company spokesperson at the time, the cloth wrap was intended to be a stopgap until a decision was made regarding the project. Michael Levin, the president of Las Vegas Sands at the time, had a view of the unfinished tower from his office and stated that he couldn't stand looking at the steel. He also realized that guests using the pool at the resort were looking up and staring at the unfinished structure. So the decision was made to put the wraps on it, and it's been there ever since. So what's to become of the unfinished St. Regis Residences Tower? In April 2014, Levin said that money was no longer an issue in completing the project. In an interview with the Las Vegas Review-Journal newspaper, he said, quote, It's not a financial decision anymore, but we want to do the right thing. Because of all the uncertainty surrounding the high-end, high-rise residential market, Levin said it was unlikely the tower would be completed as condos. Las Vegas Sands explored the possibility of finishing the tower and opening it as timeshare properties or turning it into a third hotel casino with its own entrance, but neither option was feasible. Also considered was finishing the tower as a hotel expansion for the Palazzo and Venetian. But as it stands today, the tower remains incomplete and covered by the aforementioned facade. happen to be cruising the extreme south end of Las Vegas Boulevard and you end up stopped at the traffic light out front of Mandalay Bay, take a look at the vacant lot across the street. It's almost completely empty, with the exception of two giant concrete columns. But what are they and where did they come from? Well, it all starts with London Las Vegas, a three-phase resort project planned to be built on the site directly across from Mandalay Bay. 
When completed, London Las Vegas would have spanned 38 and a half acres with 1,300 hotel rooms, a massive casino, and over 550,000 square feet of retail shops and restaurants, all of which were to be replicas of British landmarks and neighborhoods, including a Harrods department store, Big Ben, the Tower Bridge, and Piccadilly Square. The first phase of that project was a giant Ferris wheel called the Skyview Las Vegas Super Wheel. At an anticipated cost of over $100 million, Skyview was proposed to be 500 feet tall with 40 gondolas, each of which would be capable of carrying 20 to 25 passengers. Skyview would also feature a large display board billed as the largest outdoor advertising LED screen in the world. Shovels went in for a groundbreaking ceremony in May 2011, with plans to be open and operational by New Year's Eve 2012. However, in March 2012, when the first 1,300 cubic yards of concrete were poured for the foundation, it was announced that Skyview's opening date was being pushed back to July 4th, 2013, and that the passenger capacity was being downsized to just 32 gondolas rather than the originally proposed 40. Two months later, in May 2012, the estimated opening date for Skyview was pushed even further into 2013. At the same time, it was reported that the two main support columns being constructed had reached a height of 60 feet. In July 2012, Skyview's owners announced a newly scheduled opening date of New Year's Eve 2013 and that the ever-growing support columns had now reached a height of 200 feet and would be completed within the month. In January 2013, Skyview issued a statement through its PR firm saying that all the parts for the wheel would arrive in Las Vegas by May or June of that year, at which point a new crane was scheduled to arrive on the site for the final concrete pour and assembly of the wheel. None of that happened. As July 2013 rolled around, work at the site was pretty much non-existent, with construction workers rarely, if ever, being spotted. In spite of rumors of collapsed finances and cold-footed investors, Skyview's developers insisted that all was well and that the project continued to move forward, with much of the work going on behind the scenes. Shortly thereafter, the projected opening date was pushed even further out to mid-2015. In January of 2014, with essentially no work having been completed on the project since October of 2012, crews arrived at the site and over the course of several days removed the scaffolding that had been built up around the two 200-foot-tall concrete support towers. In spite of this, Skyview developer David Gaffin insisted that the project was not dead. In an email to Vegas Inc. at the Las Vegas Sun, Gaffin said work was continuing on Skyview, but that they had no news to report, other than to say the scaffolding was being taken away because it simply wasn't needed at that time. Something else to keep in mind here. During this entire Skyview Super Ferris Wheel calamity, Caesars Entertainment Group was in the process of building their own giant Ferris wheel, which would become the Link High Roller. The High Roller didn't begin construction until September of 2011, almost four months after the Skyview's groundbreaking ceremony, and it was fully completed and open to the public on March 31st, 2014. 
Rumor was that the High Roller's strong financial backing and the development of the Link Promenade may have scared off Skyview investors. By November of 2015, the property containing the Skyview support towers, along with several other nearby pieces of land, was put up for sale at a believed asking price of $385 million. It sat unsold and unused until January 2020, when it was believed that an agreement had been made to purchase the land at a cost of $400 million. However, it appears that deal fell through, as the property went into Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection and will be going up for auction in May 2020. In the meantime, the two giant eyesores, the concrete support pillars, remain standing on the site as reminders of what could have been. Hidden behind a tall wooden wall, on the skywalk between the Cosmopolitan Hotel and the shops at Crystal's, is the site of one of the biggest screw-ups the Las Vegas Strip has ever seen. Announced in 2004, located on the site of the former Boardwalk Hotel and Casino, Project City Center was intended to be a mixed-use complex with upwards of 4,800 hotel rooms, 2,400 condo units, a massive casino, and a 500,000-square-foot retail and entertainment district. At an initial estimated cost of $4 billion and a final cost of over $9 billion, the development was the largest privately funded construction project in the history of the United States. Along with the Aria, the Videra, the Veer Towers, and the Mandarin, which is now the Waldorf Astoria, City Center was designed to include the Harmon Hotel. The Harmon was a proposed 49-story non-gaming luxury boutique hotel, planned to have 400 hotel rooms and 200 high-end condominium residences. Work on the Harmon began in 2007, but came to a screeching halt in late 2008 when major defects in the construction were found after 15 stories of the building had already been completed. Building inspectors discovered that structural work on the project didn't match the plans submitted to Clark County and that a third-party inspector had allegedly falsified dozens of reports surrounding possible code violations. The issues involved improperly installed steel reinforcing bar, otherwise known as rebar. As such, in January 2009, MGM Resorts, the developers of the Harmon, made the decision to scrap the planned 200 condo units, almost 90 of which had already been spoken for, and to cap the tower at 28 stories rather than the originally planned 49. After the redesign, the exterior of the building was completed in 2009 and interior work on the Harmon was to continue through 2010 to completion. However, in July 2011, Weidlinger Associates, an engineering firm hired by MGM Resorts at the request of Clark County building officials, released a report on the structural integrity of the building. And to say it was damning would be the understatement of the century. To quote the report, the construction defects in the tower observed to date are so pervasive and varied in character that it's not possible to quickly implement a temporary or permanent repair to remediate the defects or even determine whether such repairs can be performed. The report went on to say that if a major earthquake were to occur in the Las Vegas area, it was likely that critical structural components of the tower would fail and the building would completely collapse. 
Among the issues discovered, the firm ran several tests on the building and found missing or misplaced reinforcing steel in columns, beams, transfer walls, and shear walls all throughout the tower below the 21st floor. And in case you're like me and you were wondering what a shear wall does, it basically helps support the building and keeps it from falling over. It was also determined that the stirrup hooks, the ties that hold rebar together, were spaced incorrectly, with some even poking out of the concrete floor slabs, prompting workers to use blow torches to cut them off so that they wouldn't show. To summarize, the Harmon was virtually unrepairable. On August 15th, 2011, MGM announced plans to demolish the building, and following a long legal battle with their contractor, the order to bring down the Harmon was approved in April of 2014. However, unlike other high-profile Las Vegas hotel demolitions, this one had to be completed in a slightly different manner. Because of the position of the Harmon, with its close proximity to other buildings, including the Cosmopolitan Hotel and the Shops at Crystals, it couldn't be imploded. It was going to have to be taken apart, brick by brick, floor by floor by floor. In June 2014, the long process of dismantling the Harmon began and was completed in the fall of 2015 at an estimated cost of $11.5 million. Side note, it was estimated that the cost to repair the Harmon, if it had in fact been repairable, was somewhere in the area of $20 million. To this day, the site where the Harmon was built remains vacant and tucked away from public view, with no word of what may eventually be built in that location. At the extreme north end of the Strip, Kitty Corner to the famed Circus Circus, what was to be the tallest hotel on the Las Vegas Strip has sat empty for over 10 years. Located on the former site of the El Rancho Hotel and Casino, it was announced as the Fountain Blue Las Vegas in May 2005, with construction slated to begin in March 2006 and a scheduled opening in 2008. Upon completion, the Fountain Blue was expected to include over 2,800 hotel rooms, 1,000 condo units, a 95,000-square-foot casino, a 60,000-square-foot spa, a 3,300-seat entertainment venue, 180,000 square feet of retail space, 400,000 square feet of conference space, multiple nightclubs, and 24 different restaurants and lounges. At the time, the estimated cost of Fountain Blue was $2.8 billion. Groundbreaking for the project took place on April 30th, 2007, a little over a year behind schedule, with a planned opening date of fall 2009. And with that, construction was officially underway. As work continued and April 2008 rolled around, several large Las Vegas projects, including the Cosmopolitan Hotel and Casino, which was under construction at the same time, began to feel the effects of a declining economy. However, when questioned about it, the developers of Fountain Blue stated their project was fully financed and that progress was continuing. In fact, at the time, the project had just over $2 billion in debt. The company was planning on putting the Fountain Blue's 1,000 condo units on sale in September of that year, hoping to raise between $700 and $900 million in pre-sales. 
In the spring of 2009, with the U.S. economy in full freefall mode, developers of the Fountain Blue gave their lenders a dire warning. Without more money, the project was going to fail. The banks wouldn't budge, though. Fountain Blue had been in a dispute with lenders over an alleged default on a loan agreement with some reports suggesting hundreds of millions of dollars in cost overruns, upwards of 60 liens being filed against the developers over unpaid bills to contractors, and that banks were having issues with financing the project because of a lack of sales of condo units at the property. In addition, a contractor launched a lawsuit against the company over alleged mismanagement. On April 23, 2009, Fountain Blue Las Vegas launched their own lawsuit against several different lenders claiming they'd reneged on their contractual obligations to provide funding to the development. On May 12th of that year, they amended the lawsuit to include allegations that one of the lenders, the Deutsche Bank Trust Company Americas, was, quote, seeking to destroy the Fountain Blue in order to minimize competition, end quote, with the Cosmopolitan Resort and Casino, which at the time was wholly owned by a Deutsche Bank subsidiary. Then, on May 29, 2009, Glenn Schaefer, the former head of Mandalay Resort Group who'd been hired on to oversee the project, resigned as chief officer for Fountain Blue Resorts for undisclosed reasons. On June 9, 2009, Fountain Blue's three main development companies officially filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection thus putting the final nail in the coffin for the project, which was approximately 70% complete at the time. But of course, there's more to the story. In November 2009, in a Miami bankruptcy court, Carl Icahn, who had previously owned the Stratosphere and both Arizona Charlie's casino locations in Las Vegas, offered up $156 million in cash and financing to purchase the stalled resort project. At the time, it was estimated that the cost to complete the Fountain Blue was somewhere around $1.5 billion. In February 2010, the sale was finalized, and as the lone bidder in the bankruptcy auction, Icon assumed part ownership of the project for only $148 million. And in August of 2010, Icon announced that he intended to let Fountain Blue sit idle until the U.S. economy and business conditions in Las Vegas improved. Flash forward to November of 2015. After holding onto the property for five long years, Carl Icahn announced his intention to put the Fountain Blue up for sale. He listed it at a price of $650 million, roughly $500 million above what he paid for the property. In April 2017, plans were announced to cover the exposed, unfinished areas of the resort's lower floors, which were highly visible from street level on Las Vegas Boulevard. Long considered to be an eyesore by tourists and a sad reminder of the economic crash of the mid-2000s by locals, $2 million was spent on cosmetic wrapping to cover the unfinished buildings. That project was approved and work on hanging the coverings began in July of 2017. One month later, in August 2017, it was announced that Fountain Blue had finally been sold. A pair of investment firms from New York City, led by developer Steve Witkoff, purchased the property for $600 million, with plans to rename the resort. They also revealed they were going to waterproof the buildings immediately and start working on extensive redesigns of both the interior and exterior. The plan was to resume construction in 2018. 
In February 2018, a partnership with Marriott International was announced, along with the resort's official new name. No longer the Fountain Blue. It would be known as the Drew, to be named in memory of Steve Witkoff's late son Andrew, who'd passed away from a drug overdose in 2011. At the announcement, Witkoff said he intended to have the Drew open to the public by late 2020. However, in April 2019, Witkoff announced the opening would be delayed to mid-2022. He attributed the change in dates to the time being spent on the redesign of the property. The total cost of the project was anticipated to be $3.1 billion, including the purchase price of the resort, the construction needed to complete it, and hundreds of millions of dollars in pre-opening costs. Witkoff had expected to finalize a $2 billion loan in early 2020 to cover costs and said that a large construction presence would be visible on the site later in the year with upwards of 2,000 workers. But at the end of March 2020, amid the coronavirus outbreak, Witkoff pressed pause on construction at the Drew, but still planned for a November 2022 completion date. However, according to several news reports released in June of 2020, the Drew was in serious financial danger. South Korean investors claimed Witkoff had defaulted on $490 million worth of loan payments, and contractors working on the project had filed multiple liens, claiming nearly $36 million in unpaid work, leading many to believe that this could be the final chapter in the story of one of Las Vegas's most epic failures. I hope you've enjoyed this journey up and down the Vegas Strip, highlighting some of the biggest busts in Sin City history. If you want to learn more about these epic fails, check out the show notes for articles, photos, videos, and more. For more of Las Vegas's fascinating, bizarre, and sometimes tragic history, follow Sin City Stories on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SC Stories Pod. Also, be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are released. Sin City Stories is written, researched, and hosted by Jeff Walker and is a production of Walker New Media online at walkernewmedia.com.